Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. I'm so sorry I talked so much in that last episode. No, it was fire. It was good. We we really went into depth we'll just on call some it a housing. double episode. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like a, we should like do a one and two. Stopped part. in the middle of it. But, so yeah, for all of you who really love 15 minute episodes because your commute is 15 minutes exactly or 16 minutes, and so you listen to an entire episode, and now you're gonna have to chop that one in two. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. Yeah, go back and listen to that one on like the next road trip, because that yes. <laughs> it wasn't terrible. It was what twenty. Yeah, it was like thirty minutes. 30. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's okay. We really try to keep these at fifteen to twenty minutes. You think what you want about me? I'm not changing. I like me. My kids like me. It was a good topic though. That was really timely and appropriate about um, housing market, etc. Uh, and I thought it appropriate to go through a very practical example of how. Yeah, our family I mean, it's something that, that we so. deal with. On a regular basis. I think yeah. we both grapple with that question about real estate and, and what's going on there. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's good. My friends like me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. Yeah. So this this episode is actually going to be fairly similar in respect, just on a different market. Um, but we'll be able to go through it in a more concise way, I think, because I won't give as much history and we'll stick to kind of the math and we'll get it done in 15 minutes. Yeah, less. no, let's, let's, uh, I think we should just go ahead and dive right into it. Let's go All ahead right, and hear this question it. from, uh, Taylor. DIY! What's up, DIY money guys? Taylor here from Las Vegas. Love the podcast. I think you guys break it down and make it very digestible and fun to listen to. My question is, what is your guys' opinion on leasing versus buying a car? Moreover, when buying a car, what is your opinion on new versus used, and what are some things some buyers should look out for to make sure they don't get in a bind? Look forward to your answer. Have a great day. Leasing versus buying a car. So we talked about renting versus owning a home, mm-hmm. leasing versus buying. What's your thought? It's kind of a similar scenario, except in this instance, uh, one always typically... We hate the other side of it. (laughs) And the others doesn't. And it's an important reason because you hold on to a car way less than you hold on to a house, uh, timeline-wise, right? And a car is, by nature, a depreciating asset. It's a a wear and tear. It'll wear out at some point. Like, you don't... You see 100-year-old houses, right, that people can still kind of maintain and rent out. We're in a university town, so we see this a lot. Maybe not 100-year-old, but you see some pretty... Yeah, old-ish oh, yeah. houses, for sure. timeline-wise, but have been fixed up and maintained and still have residual cash flow value. And their cash flow now uh, probably is more than the original purchase price. Obviously, there's been maintenance and things along mm-hmm. the way. But, I mean, just think about that incredibly. That does not happen with a car. You don't no. buy you know, a Honda Civic for whatever a Honda Civic goes for, and then in 20 years, you're renting it out to Hertz or Uber or something. Right. For more than your original purchase, right. like it's just that doesn't happen. It it wears out. You can't use it anymore. It's disposable. You throw it away, in a sense, and you go get another car. Uh, so that's the big difference in this instance, and why effectively renting or leasing a car uh, to cut to the kind of the summary of where we're going to get 
typically never works. Right. So you're basically deciding between... We'll, we'll tackle this first part of the question, then we'll talk about kind of um, new versus used. But if you're thinking about leasing versus buying, when you buy a car, obviously we know that that first depreciation is like, what, 10 20% whenever you drive it oh, off the lot? Oh, it's pretty extreme. Yeah. yeah. So your first... I mean, your first week depreciation is really huge because it's no longer a new car. And then, uh, so you have really steep depreciation in, say, we'll talk in terms of years, really steep depreciation the first year, fairly steep depreciation the second year, still pretty steep the third year, and then in most models, it kind of levels out from there, roughly speaking. Yeah, for the next few years, your car's going to be relatively the same. You could sell it for relatively. Yeah, I mean, you'll have depreciation every year, but it's going to now go down at kind of a relatively more stable rate versus the initial kind of chunks that come off of it in the first couple of years. Yeah. So whenever you're thinking about leasing, you're you get a new car generally and you lease that for, I don't know, two year time period. Yeah, two or three years, something so like that. So what are the payments that you're making towards that lease? What what is that encompassing? Yeah. So uh very high level view of this. There's nuances to all things pricing when it comes to cars and stuff. Um because obviously car lots have to make money and um there's just elements that go into this. But from a very high level, effectively what leasing is, is a car lot is going to loan you a brand new car mm-hmm. out of the factory, right? Uh, you're going to drive that for a period of time in exchange for a monetary payment to them. So it's like a very long you know, enterprise or Hertz car rental kind of thing. Uh, and then you're going to return at the end, at the end, and then they are going to try to turn around and make money off of it still at a car lot that means that they're going to sell that as a used car or whatever certified pre-owned or whatever it is yeah so the dynamics of that pricing kind of works this way they're giving you a brand new car it's going to depreciate from the day that you get it to the day that you bring it back uh but then that car still has value that can be sold so effectively in that lease payment what you are paying for is that depreciation over years one, two, and three, which are the highest years of depreciation, uh, plus a little bit of buffer for the dealership to make some money, mm-hmm. um, financing, whatever that is. Uh, so the profit margin plus the depreciation that's happening during that time period. At the end of that time period, you now are giving the asset back for them then to sell uh and recoup any of that sort of cash that's tied up in the asset. So essentially, you're paying for all the depreciation over those first few years, but you're getting no benefit at the end of it. Yeah, which you're never really getting a benefit from car depreciation in general. Um, The only niche scenario where this potentially might be relevant is if you owned a business... And leasing made sense from a tax perspective, which we're not okay. going to get into because it's very niche. But that was that would be the only sort of scenario in which I could think that I would probably have a reason to even bring that up and recommend it to somebody. But for your average retail person, leasing will more often than not never make sense. Okay. So if you are leasing and you're paying that depreciation over the first couple of years, giving it back to the company, and then they sell it... What's the difference in buying if you can't outright just pay it cash for it, but you're going to have to do a payment plan and you're going to have a payment still every month? Why is that better? Yeah. So that's one of the things that trips people up is because sometimes there'll be instances where you run the auto loan, um, 
payment, right? Like you, p- people will look at a car loan and go, boy, if I got a car loan on this, it's actually more than the lease payments. Okay. Well, part of the reason for that is, is your lease payments are only for 24 or 36 months or I don't know if they, sometimes they may go out 48 months, things like that. But it's for a fixed term and then it's gone. When you purchase a car with a car loan, yes, you might have a fairly long car loan, uh, four years, five years, in which case maybe we need to revisit the price of the car mm-hmm. uh, rather than the price of the payment in the term, right? But once you pay that off, let's go with like, say, a three or four year auto loan. Once you pay that off, you still have an asset now that you can utilize that's paid off. Right. And so, uh, you know, for instance, a while back, um, one of the cars that we had, I think we got like a three-year loan on it. We ended up paying it off in two and a half years, but then we drove that car for another five years or something like that. So we we got use out of it way past the payment period. And that's one of the key differences is when you lease a car, you're going to make some pretty significantly high payments. And then at the end of that, you are, are either going to turn the car back in uh, to them and then you don't have an asset. So you, now you have to figure out what to do. You've mm-hmm. got to go find something else. Or there's an option that you can buy the car from them. Yeah. But you could probably also buy the car from them as a used car that somebody else had leased around that same price. Again, there's going to be some situational nuances there because there's a depreciation schedule when you initially lease uh, the car. And there are certain market environments where, especially like recently when used cars got pretty crazy, where the agreed upon purchase price at the end of the lease is less than the current market value and things like that. But barring those, let's assume the math works out generally normally and not in a post-pandemic crazy market that we've been in. Uh, Most of the time, it's just, it doesn't make sense because at the end, you just don't have that asset available that you've now paid most of the depreciation on. Yeah. Well, that makes sense to me. I, I mean, let's keep on schedule though. Let's get to the second part of Taylor's question buying versus so now we're we're gonna buy the car but mm-hmm. are we should we buy new should we buy used what's your what's your thoughts there you want to buy this buick centurion huh good choice smart man you got good taste i'll tell you something a lot of people don't have these days nice to see somebody finally walk on this lot who knows a good car when he sees one i'll tell you so we uh we read it up yeah so the math the math on this differs a little bit um buying used especially about a two and a half to three and a half year old used that you can then drive until it's 10 to 12 years mm-hmm. old, roughly, um, which is around the time. Now, listen, there's going to be people on here that are good fixing up cars. I am not one of those people. <laughs> it's me neither. Okay. No. So there are people who are, are really good at doing their own car maintenance. There are people who will drive cars until they have 150 or 200,000 miles or something like that on them. Don't mind if they break down and they have to take it to the mechanic, stuff like that. I'm going to talk to our middle of the road audience, okay? You're, you don't do your own maintenance. You get frustrated when things break down and you have car bills and things like that uh, to fix them up. And so you kind of want to buy a car that's not super expensive, uh, you know, on the very new front. But you want to hold it until it starts to be a hindrance to your life with maintenance. Okay. Right? So that's kind of the middle of the road. That 60% of people uh, who don't need the newest, flashiest thing and that also don't want a 15-year-old car that they're maintaining a lot. Yep. I hope I don't offend anybody, but I think that's kind of our middle of the road case point, uh, case, case study, right? Case example or base case. Um, for those folks, if you buy something about two and a half to three and a half years old, the biggest point in the depreciation curve has already taken place. Okay. So you can buy that. 
you can hold that car, drive it for roughly eight-ish years, um, maybe even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's qualitative. Like you'll know when you're getting to that point where you're like, wow, I'm having to maintain this a lot more than I used to. Right. Things are breaking, et cetera. Then maybe it's time to, to, to trade in and go for something else. But somewhere around eight to 10 years after buying that, you'll probably buy a new one. But during that time period, it's you know, you've got a car um, for a reasonable price. The pre- massive amount of depreciation has happened. And you're getting a good use out of it for a, for a good value. Now, there are instances if you actually run the numbers from a new car because of the extra years that you're getting, driving it, et cetera, um, the lower maintenance in those years, that over the long run, it actually work, can work out pretty similar to okay. buying uh, a used car. That's a very much case-by-case basis. It's very much car by car basis mm-hmm. because a you know there's a big difference between buying a new fancy car and buying a new you know economical model car. Yeah, uh, and I won't name specifics of what I consider to be in those categories, but uh, people can sort of ascertain for themselves what might fit in what categories. So run the numbers on that. Some of the cars you're going to pay for brand name. Uh, you're going to pay for fancy features you'll never use. Uh, in other cars, you will pay for basically the basics. And you have to decide for yourself what is essential for, for your commute um, and your style of driving and, and stuff like that. So I there's not, generally speaking, go towards a recent model used. So okay. that's like the two-ish year mark. Um, if you just want a rule of thumb, which I hate rules of thumb. If you want rules of thumb, yeah. go right about there. That's a, typically where I go. But there are cases where it will be about the same, and it doesn't matter. But I'm not giving anybody permission to always buy yeah, a new car every single time. Yeah, so I, I'm kind of like you. I, I'm not good with cars. I definitely have someone work on all my maintenance um, and, and all that stuff. But whenever I would be in a situation where I buy a car. So I bought a used car um, a couple years ago, and have will I will drive it till the wheels fall off, basically. But... Whenever I was looking at that car, I think it's important if you're not a car person to talk with someone that is and and to really run kind of look at different numbers. You got to do your research, Kelly Blue Book. You got to look at those kind of things. But I consulted with my parents who were both car people. They worked in the car industry. They sold cars at some point. So if you can talk with someone that has car experience, I think that's really beneficial because I was completely lost and would have just bought, oh, the first thing that seems like a decent value that whatever. But my parents know, oh, well, this brand has certain kind of engines that's really good. This one is what you're looking for. So I think consulting with someone that has some car experience is is beneficial when you're going through the buying process. Yeah. And I'll say in most instances, people way overbuy on cars, especially when you factor in the amount of time they spend in their car relative to their entire life. Yeah. So... Uh, case in point, people will way overspend on like fancy features and stuff like that for a car that they spend on average 20 to 30 minutes a day in. And then they will scrimp uh, and cut corners and buy the cheapest mattress online <laughs> that they yeah. can buy, which they spend hopefully uh, seven to nine hours a night on. A day, right? That's a really good point. That's so really good point. you're kind of like, okay, and I'm not saying that you should go out and buy a $50,000 mattress. So don't <laughs> hear that. But what I'm saying is a lot of us uh, 
will, and I've done this in the past, so I'll, yeah, I mean, I'm just as guilty. A lot of us will buy like the Ikea mattress or the $500 delivered to your door mattress, which isn't bad, right? But like you're trying to spend as little as possible because it's so expensive. And yet this thing affects your, your health and your lifestyle and all that. And then we'll be like, well, I'll spend like 5000 more on the car because it has this feature, right? which is super important. And you literally use that feature 20 minutes out of the entire day. <laughs> So just be mindful of that. Here's the strategy that our family uses. A, a couple cars ago, we paid off our car, our, our car loan, right? Uh, and then we didn't stop making a payment. We just made that payment to a savings account instead. And then we held that car longer. Like it was annoying. It was breaking down. But we were using the maintenance out of that account plus contributing to that account such that that account kept growing. And then eventually, when that account got to the point that we could afford, uh, afford a economical used car, we bought an economical used car, and we kept making a payment to that account. Okay. And then that account was able grew enough to buy the other car that we needed in our family uh, fairly economically. And then when, with kids, we were on the next car able to buy the minivan, which was very much not economic at all because they're bigger and they're more expensive, and they we had to have like bells and whistles for traveling and. That was annoying, but we had the cash in the bank to be able to do it. So it was no stress. And we still now make a payment every month on a car, but it goes into our savings account. And when that uh, value in that savings account equals what I need to spend to upgrade the car that I'm driving now, then we'll go out and again, buy that with cash. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, is when you are writing a literal check out of your bank for that total amount you will definitely spend less than you would if you went to the dealership and just looked for features and were like, oh, it's only a $400 a month payment. Right. Because when you're writing out a check for um, hun- uh, for thousands or tens of thousands of dollars uh, for a vehicle and that money leaves your bank account right then, uh, it's pretty sobering. And you will, instead of going, hey, I'll spend 5000 more on this fancy feature, you'll be like, Actually, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm going to spend a little bit less and keep a little bit of that in my money. So uh, our family does about an eight-year cycle. So we have two cars, right? One for me, one one for the spouse. Yeah. Uh, so we're basically buying a car every f- roughly four years. Mm-hmm. So we put in enough money into that account. So about every four years, we have uh, enough in there for a car. That car is about two to three years old mm-hmm. when we buy it. Um, so we're basically buying a car that's two or three years old. We're selling it when it's about roughly 10 years old. Um, and that's just the rhythm that's worked for us. That may not be the rhythm that works for everybody, but if you can get to that point in life where you never take out an auto loan again, uh, you'll, you will end up saving so much money on cars over your lifetime. Um, and it's just going to be so much less stressful. I love it. Great. Okay. Well, we got to shut it down or Quinn is going to be super mad at us for our run times. You talk too much. Thank you, Taylor, for a great question. She sent in an audio question to us. Make sure you all are sending those in. Um, We want to fill up the queue and and get some more questions. She'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. The secret to wealth, friends, is really very simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.